0: Welcome to the Built Not Born podcast presented by Edge Leadership Academy. I'm your host, David Kitchen, and every week I'm going to be having conversations with some of the top leaders in their fields to figure out what built them into the leaders they are today and what we can all take away from their journey. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share, like, and leave a review so we can continue to bring you more content like this. Also, make sure you join us on our website, www.EdgeLeadershipAcademy.com for a ton of free content and resources for leaders and those wanting to be leaders, and be sure to follow us on social media. I'm fired up to be a part of this project and I'm really looking forward to getting to work. Leaders are built, not born. to another episode of the Built Not Born podcast. We are joined once again by Coach Rebecca Gold for episode three of her three-part installment, doing a deep dive into leadership. Um, If you guys haven't had a chance, please check out episodes one and two. They were absolutely awesome. Um, I have a ton of notes that I've been pouring over over this holiday break, Um, so I'm fired up to see what Coach Gold brings to the stage on on part three. Um, If you missed out on part two, we did talk a ton about self-awareness. We talked about habits, uh, leading from the middle, um, you know, the mentor-mentee relationship. There, there was just a lot of things in there that we easily could have spent two to three hours talking about, and then we kind of cut it a little bit short just to make sure that everyone had a chance to digest that. So if you guys have time, make sure you go back, um, give those a listen, um, make sure you get the most out of this three-part series. So today we're going to talk a little bit about motivation to lead, leadership and culture, that relationship, and then we'll end with some wildcard questions for Coach Gold so everyone can get a, a chance to kind of get to know her a little bit uh, off the script as well. So, Coach, we'll jump right into this thing. I'm going to fire questions right off the jump. So here we go. Here comes a big one. How do we identify the motivation to be a leader within other interns, staff members, um, people that you get around that you're like, hey, this person has the potential to be a leader and potentially is motivated to be that. What, what are some things that you see as as those identifying pieces?
1: I think it comes back already to things that we've talked about in the previous episodes with um, helping finding out their why like what are they what are they or why are they doing what they're doing so for your interns why do they want to be a strength coach first of all why do they want to be a collegiate strength coach like getting very specific into the environment um this is a specific population why do you want to work with this population as opposed to pro or high school or younger youth um you might ask about this specific place. And this could be for your athletes or for your interns or even even your coworkers. I think this is an easy conversation that as you start to build trust and build a relationship with your coworkers or your boss, you're finding out, you know, why did they come to this place in the first place? For some people, I I think for a lot of people it's happenstance or this is just where I got the job. Um, but you never know, you know, for, for a lot of the athletes, it's, well, this is where my mom and dad went. And, you know, I really wanted to, I've always been a fan of this place. so It was like, you know, it was a big deal for me to be here type of thing. Um, so getting really specific and helping them figure out what their why is. And as you are able to ask those questions, um, and you're listening to their responses, you're going to help them increase their self-awareness and, and maybe, Form it into a, a way that says, okay, hey, you, this person, you know, does want to be the leader. They do care about the people around them and they want, they, they care to influence people in a certain way. Or maybe not. Maybe this person's motivation is, is more about um, a paycheck, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's okay to be driven by the reward that you get. Um, but with that said, if you're not motivated by, Influencing the people around you, it's going to make that leadership um, task seem a whole different way. For, you know, for one person, it's leadership is rewarding; for other, it's a it's a stressor.
0: Absolutely, and I think you know I read a, a research article where they kind of laid out the antecedents to leadership and things that led up to that. Um, and one of them was personality. The other one was leadership, self-efficacy, and then values. And then finally, quantity and quality of past leadership experiences. So those four things kind of came together. And I heard you hit on all of them in different ways within your answer. So we'll kind of break them into pieces. And let's let's dive into each one first. Um, so everybody always says, you know, the introvert-extrovert argument, right? That, that introverts are not born leaders. Extroverts are more predisposed to leadership. I don't find that true. Um, but I'd be interested to hear you know, when you look at certain personality traits within people, what are some things that you see that lend themselves to leadership?
1: Well, leadership, again, is all about influence. So um, I think people who see themselves as an extrovert or more comfortable speaking, you know, that verbal type of leadership or charisma maybe um, comes a little easier to them. Um, And that's something that they find rewarding is, you know, people liking them and, and being able to make people laugh or just being able to influence people. I mean, that's, that's rewarding for some people And that extrovert. Uh, the extrovert is somebody who that might come a little easier to. Your introverts though, they might be able to lead by example a little bit better. Uh, a lot of times somebody who isn't as comfortable speaking in front of people, they might be way better at, at observing and seeing and listening. So they'll, they'll lead in, in different ways. So kind of like you said, I think like, you know, I don't think that because you're an extrovert that makes you a better leader or introvert. I agree with you 100%. You're, the way that you go about leading naturally is going to come different. Um, as that leadership matures, you start to make decisions and choices and choose to lead in certain ways. Um, and those ways, if you continue to, mature and educate yourself with that leadership, those ways are going to flex with your population and who you're trying to influence.
0: Absolutely. And that's what I was just going to say. I I love that you hit on that. As you grow, it's almost like you start to add more things to your toolbox and then you become more comfortable leading in different ways. Um, you know, and I, I think like you said, that extrovert, when you first step into it, yeah, you're more comfortable in front of the crowd. You're more comfortable, you know, holding court, if you will, and, and talking to a group of people. Um, But that doesn't necessarily lend you to leadership as as it's truly defined, you know, just because you can talk to a lot of people doesn't make you a leader. And I I think at times, especially in our student athlete population and younger people, before you truly have an understanding of what you're looking for in a leader, um, that that loudest voice in the room ends up being the the de facto leader and they just get in charge because they're the one that's willing to speak um, versus that introvert that kind of gets looked over and it's like, hey, maybe that's the person that you should be following because they're modeling the behavior. They're modeling what you're looking for. And so I think that's a huge piece of it. And so for anyone listening to this, that is that introverted side, um, it's completely okay. And I think that that changes throughout your lifespan as well. You know, you may be super extroverted as a, as a, a younger person. And as you get older, you become more self-reflective and introverted introspective in nature. Um, and you kind of sway a little bit on that pendulum or a little bit on that continuum and, your leadership skills will change within that. I, I think, you know, for me personally, when I first got into the field and got into coaching, I was extremely extroverted. I was extremely, um, you know, comfortable talking to people, comfortable being in front and holding court. Like I said, and then as I kind of grew and, and matured in my own right, I felt like it was more less about what I said and more about what I did. Um, and so that kind of grew over time. So I think that's a, a huge piece. Um, you know, my, my follow-up question to you would be, as you grow and as you, you kind of flex your leadership, what are the things that you would want to hold on to so that you don't lose yourself? You know, you don't want to get into that leadership role and completely lose your values and who you are. So how, what are some things that you would want to hold on to as that leadership kind of traits and those leadership styles do mature as you mature?
1: I actually was just having this conversation with one of my interns who was is struggling to find who he is as a coach. Um, And you you see it because he tries to mirror what he thinks he should be looking like or acting like. So he'll see me be successful in the way I coach. So then he tries to do the same things I do, which makes complete sense. That's logical thought process, but it's not him. And because it's not him, it comes off disgenuine. And not authentic and doesn't allow for a trusting relationship to be built. So, my advice for anybody who is trying to figure out how to flex their leadership but hold on to themselves, what makes you you? That's the question you need to be able to answer. Um, what are the values and characteristics that define, I shouldn't say define, but that characterize you? as a coach, that no matter what your style of leadership is, it's, you're always going to be able to see these things reflected. So at the Citadel, um, Coach Donnell, he, um, the first thing he taught me was the three T's, and I still use them to this day, tempo, technique, and teamwork. And at first, that was more of like, okay, here's what you're going to see in the weight room. You know, we're gonna work at a high tempo, we're gonna put the highest um, quality over quantity with, you know, emphasizing technique, and we're gonna to work together as a team. You know, easy way to kind of describe what you're gonna see when you come into that weight room. But the more I think about it, those describe what you're gonna see in me, no matter, no matter if I'm having an up day or a down day. And by that, I mean, some days when we're in the weight room, depending on the context you know i want the music to be loud i want energy to be high maybe it's a max out day so we're going to have this you know really high stimulating environment um and some days we have a recovery day so i'm going to put on yoga music and we're going to stretch and i'm going to teach you how to breathe that's a lot of a diff like that's a huge huge different difference in environment um but no matter what you're going to see us working with a sense of urgency to be productive in our specific goal. Right. You're, gonna, you're gonna see an emphasis on technique. I'm gonna coach the crap out of anything. It <laughs> doesn't matter what we're doing, I'm coaching the crap out of it. And we're always going to emphasize teamwork, communicating, caring for our teammates um, and holding each other accountable. You know, those things don't change just because the way I'm leading the session changes. So if you are somebody who's trying to figure out how to flex your leadership, you have to increase your self-awareness and really find out, you know, what are those things that you're going to see no matter what you're coaching and how you have to flex, it'll always come down to these specific qualities.
0: Absolutely. And I think we're seeing it so much right now, just to relate it to to the, the bigger picture in the real world. In my mind, I think about it like peacetime wartime, right? You lead a certain way in peacetime when you're able to, and then when wartime comes, you have to lead a certain way. So I think we're seeing that right now with COVID, right? A lot of people, the, the environment has changed and the market has changed. If you're in business, the market has changed. Um, the, the brick and mortar stores and people being able to come into your business is not there. And so if you're a sales rep or if you're a sales manager, the way you lead your people has to change a little bit too, because now you're leading remotely, you're leading in a different environment. So I think what you just said, those values need to be there because now you feel comfortable making that change. When the environment shifts, you don't get rocked. You don't get all, all shook because you can lead within that. So, like you just said, if it's a max day, you're, you're perfectly comfortable being in that environment and you're perfectly comfortable with the music turned up, whistles go and blow and chalk fly and the whole deal. But you're also comfortable on those yoga days where it's time to count our breaths and it's time to slow things down. And there's still that attention to detail because that's a cornerstone of who you are as a coach. And so that's still going to be done. And the tempo might have changed, but you're still paying attention to the tempo. You didn't throw it out the window, right? And so if you're a sales manager and you talk about, um, you know, we're going to have relationship-based sales, we're going to have these things. Well, just because COVID is happening now you have to be more aggressive to make your bottom line, does that mean we throw relationships out? And I think that's where leaders are being tested right now. Can you hold your values in times of war? Can you hold your values when the, the stimulus on the outside is a little bit higher and now you're being pressured. So I think that comes over time with maturity and with experiences. Um, I know for me, you know, the first time I was involved in, in a football max day, I was like, you know, my head spinning, like everything was happening so fast. And I'm like, okay, what, what is going on right now? And then over time, it's like, oh no, I can still be me within these, these constructs and these constraints of the situation. And I can put my stamp on it no matter what, you know, and that was, That's a a big growing point for a young leader as you start to stretch yourself, but that's only possible if you do stretch yourself, which leads us to our next point, which would be the leadership self-efficacy. You know, where do you find is kind of that line between stretching yourself and maybe taking on too much at a, at a, you know, a point where you're not quite ready for that. How do you find that, that balance? Hmm.
1: I think the the balance comes with, um, with your perspective of what you view as balance. So just because on the daily, you might not have 12 hours dedicated to home and 12 hours dedicated to work. Um, what about within the week? What about within the month? What about within the in-season, off-season, the whole year? You know, no, I don't really get to... I don't get to see my family very often, but when I do go home, I get a pretty good chunk of time in May and a pretty good chunk of time in December slash January that when I'm there, I'm fully, fully there. And so I really get to find, you know, my quote unquote balance in the different seasons of the year. Um, as a strength coach, when, you know, in this cult, in this environment, um, every year, the whole year is a year of first. It's not like you get into your routine and uh, maybe you come in in January. It's not like you get into a routine in January and you carry that routine all the way through the December of that year. That's not how it works. We have a uh, off season and then you have a summer and then you have preseason and then in season and then post season. And that post season that's in December, that's the first time that you've Experienced that postseason, so our whole year is a year of first. You don't get a second experience until a whole year later at that. So understanding your perspective of where balance is, I think you know you have to really step back and see see the picture or the pie as a, you know a whole as opposed to the small chunk of maybe the holiday. Kind of like we were um, talking about earlier, like in the holidays, it's definitely more. Evident that you're not with your family or you're missing out on something that you want to miss out. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, what opportunities does that give you, you know, a time to create your own traditions and a time to create new opportunities and, and experience new things. You know, there's, you got to just change your perspective when it comes to whatever balance is. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that with that said, kind of coming full circle to, you know, knowing where the line is between Um, you know, getting stretched too thin. I think a, it comes with experience. I mean, you, you have to, you have to experience things and you have to fail in order to learn. So it comes, it comes first with failure. Um, It comes second with self-awareness and, the debrief, you know, that takes us back to a previous episode when we talked about the habit of debriefing so that you can increase self-awareness. If you fail, you have to go back and look at the things that led up to that failure so that you can either, you know, so that you can identify them and not let them happen again. Right. Um, and then it also comes to the challenge, you know, are you going to let yourself is the answer to that failure. Don't let, um a b and c that led up to this don't let those happen again or is the answer b be better let those happen but respond better this next time type of thing um so again just kind of it all i think it all comes back to that that debrief and that self-awareness um because everybody's different everybody's going to be able to handle different things and choose to change your perspective in certain moments
0: definitely so to unpack that a little bit further, because I, th- I think if I'm hearing you correctly, you're almost referring to like periodizing your own growth in yes. that you you want to, there's times to push, but then there's times to breathe, reflect, and then formulate the plan for the next big push, right? And that that's kind of what I was hearing there. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page with that, because to me, that makes a ton of sense. And when I do anything, you know, from a from a self-growth and self-development standpoint, that's kind of the way I look at it where I'm like, okay, hold your nose. here comes the cold water for the next, you know, whatever, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it may be, I'm going to push and I'm really going to grow and I'm going to see what happens. And I don't know if I'm ready for this or not, but I'll evaluate at the end of that, that time period and I'll make adjustments and then decide and go further. Um, and I think that, you know, if you, if you approach things that way, you start to realize trends and you start to realize where you can, you know, where you're excelling and a, that you're probably better at it than you thought you were. Now, sometimes that's not true. Sometimes you go in and you fall flat on your face and that's okay too. But I think you identify trends and you start to identify like, Hey, if I put X, Y, and Z on my plate and I get pulled in this direction too far, I lose sight of D over here. And and in our case, what we're talking right now was if I put everything into my job, I lose, I lose connection with my family a little bit for a second. And that's a leadership thing. That's understanding how to balance things because it's the same thing. If you're running a multi-million-dollar business and you put all your emphasis into, you know, future sales and future marketing and this and that, and you, you know, kind of lay off of R and D and research and developing new products. Well, now you know, okay, if I stretch myself in these departments, I'm going to lose this. So I need to kind of circle back and pay attention to this as well. And then you start to find, like you said, through those debriefs and that self-awareness okay, I know that when I get lost in the weeds over here, which I tend to do, I need to to keep an eye over here because this is what's going to happen from it. Um, And so, you know, when it comes to taking on new roles, I think this is something that that people need to stop and and do because I don't know if I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me personally, those first six to eight months in a new job go by so fast and you feel like you're drowning the whole time. And then sometimes it just runs into the next semester before you know it. And you never took time to reflect and look on what you did the first semester or the first six months in the job um, and really take time to do that. And I thought that, you know, at UNLV with Coach Manuel, that was something we did after my first six months. there. We did it at 90 days and then we did it again at six months. And we sat down and we reflected on what happened for me. What did I see? Where did I grow? Where are things that I'm still missing? And I thought that that kind of gave us a guide for where we would go in the future. And so I, I think, you know, give me a little bit on your insight. Is that something that you do in those first, almost like the president, like the first 90 days, first 180 days? What do you get done? Where do we need to go?
1: It's, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that um, in our field, we kind of complain about the lack of uh, definition of success in our field. You know, how, how are we, how is our success defined? And, and, you know, how do we uh, define our, our value as strength and conditioning coaches? Cause you can't do it with wins and losses, you, you know, like a, like a sport coach may or may not be, you know, judged for their wins and losses. You can't do that for strength coaches. And then, you know, it comes back to, well, we're not getting paid enough. So you have to define, you know, how can we define this? So we can get paid more and blah, blah, blah. Yet we don't take the time to do evaluations, regular documented evaluations. So if you are the leader of a department or an internship program, like I am with my interns, we do a midterm evaluation and an end of the semester evaluation. With my sport coaches, I have a list of questions that I send them at the end of each semester and they don't always fill it out. I can't force them to, but at least I'm asking for feedback at that standpoint. And it's regular and it's documented because that way, when I go upstairs and I need to ask for a raise because this, you know, A and B happened and, and, you know, I need some extra money in the bank. I could say, look, here's the evaluations that I've been, that my sport coaches and my supervisors have given me. I'm doing more than is asked of me. Um, please, you know, that can like help you with your case. Mm-hmm. But um, if but we don't do, I think as um, as a lot of us tend to tend to not be the type to you know sit at the sit at the computer and do the computer work and the documentation and the organization because we want to be on the floor coaching and in the heat of things. As a leader of a department, it is your job and it is your responsibility to set your to set your department up for success with these regular evaluations that are documented and that you can, you can bring to the table and say, they're doing their job and more. Mm -hmm. It's, it's important to have that, um, to protect, to protect your, your assistance. And, um, that is going to, that is one of those things that, you know, previously we had talked about burnout a little bit. That's one of those things that, that can help prevent that, that can help, um, you know, it, it gives you a chance to say thank you to your to your assistants and to um, to reward them. You know, for doing a good job, and and maybe you know, maybe at the end of the year, you can go upstairs and without your assistant knowing, you know, ask to get them a raise. Like, look, here's their evaluations. They've been doing a really good job. Can we can't? Is there a way we can find them some extra money? Mm-hmm. And you know, for if somebody receives, think about it. If you were to, to get your, you know, you've had your regular paycheck month after month after month, and then all of a sudden one month comes in and there's a couple extra, you know, a couple extra whatever on the end of that, you know, and <laughs> the end of the zeros or whatever it is, you know, how, you know, how, what better way to say thank you? Right. What better way to show your appreciation to your assistants who work their butts off every time? So, um, so I think that regular documented evaluation process is a big deal.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think it goes both ways too, because I think as a leader, you grow it through those evaluations too. You start to realize what you're looking for in the people below you and also where you're maybe missing as a leader. And I think the biggest question that I always loved being asked by, by coach Manuel, And it was something that I then used when I started to have my own assistants, my own staffs was the biggest question we always ended with was. What do I need to do more of what's, and he had about four or five questions that were like, what am I doing well? What do I need to do more of? What should I do less of? What can I do to make your job better? And I think, you know, as a leader, sometimes we miss that piece of asking for feedback down the chain to get our own processes in order, you know? And it's something, cause a lot of times you're, you're focused on the big picture. That's your job, you're supposed to be, but we also have to take care of our people and take care of the details. And sometimes those details get lost if you're not asking for that feedback. So I think those evaluations that you talk about are a huge piece for you to also grow your leadership, your self-efficacy, your self-belief in yourself as a leader to hear that because now you can grow off of those points and you can use those as jumping off points for your future and you can double down on your strengths. Hey, if this person tells me I'm doing a great job connecting with him or her and I'm taking care of their people, okay, well, then I know I'm doing that well maybe I'm not doing a great job laying out clear expectations on actual projects. So that's something I need to get better at. And you can kind of self-evaluate. So it also, it almost serves as kind of a, um, a microwave version of self-awareness for you, if you're willing to read it and look at it. Right. And I think that's, that's big as well. And I, I was watching, I don't know if you've seen it, um, Nick Sabin and Bill Belichick, they did a, an art of coaching documentary on them. It was awesome. Um, but Belichick, after a season with the Patriots and we all know the NFL business doesn't stop. There's no down season for them. They're always going. Um, but he takes time and he goes up to, I believe it's Nantucket or, or wherever, you know, wherever multi-million dollar people live. I don't, I'm not familiar with that type of lifestyle, but he goes on his boat, which I assume is probably a very nice and big boat. And he takes time and he does his evaluations out there and he'll go out and do his staff evaluations. He'll do a fishing trip. He'll watch film. He'll do all these things. And then he comes back to the office refreshed, and reinvigorated ready for the next season but he also used that time for self-reflection and self-awareness um and you know ultimately again every year he feels like he comes back and he said this in the documentary i come back with five or six new ideas on things that i missed on and five or six new ideas on things that i didn't realize i was doing so well at and i think you know in our culture sometimes we're so quick to talk about what we don't do well but we don't spend enough time looking at what we do do well and and that is going to build your self-efficacy as well. It's focusing on your wins, you know, focus on those things. Um, and so I, I'd like to hear kind of your perspective on, you know, evaluating yourself. What are, what are some of the things, do you spend more time on the positives or the negatives? And and you can be honest with me here. Um, is it something that, you know, you look to be super critical on yourself or is it something where you give yourself a little bit of grace? Cause I think sometimes people fall on either end of the, of the spectrum with that.
1: Whenever I um and doing my own self-evaluations, <clears throat> like using the podcast that we did previously for an example. I had to listen to both podcasts several times. Like I was listening to them over and over and over again because at first I keep I'm picking at what I didn't like about what I was doing. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like this, I didn't like this, and I didn't like this. And pretty soon I noticed myself getting into this downward spiral of like. Uh, you know, at the end, at the end of that spiral, I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, am I, am I even qualified to be doing this leadership podcast? Like blah, 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 blah. And then I had, I actually, I called up my brother and I had him listen to it and, uh, and his wife, and they're actually leaders in their own environments. He works, um, as an, uh, as a salesman at an electrician company Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she's a high school teacher and coach. And, and the feedback that they gave me was it, it was funny. It came down to like just be confident. you the content is good. Just be confident, confident in what you're doing. And and after I had that conversation with them, I went back and I listened to them again. And then all of a sudden, I can you know I can see oh yeah, I did do this pretty good. Or oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, and all these other things. Um, so I think a you know, don't just evaluate yourself or a task or something that you did just once, you know, maybe listen to it with focus on listening for some specific things. And then the next time you listen to it, listen for some other specifics. And then the next time, maybe it's different specifics. Um, because when you're focusing on specific things, you will find specific things. Um, and so and, and when, like, what am I evaluating myself on? Um, that comes down to kind of those same qualities and characteristics that I value about myself that I want people to see no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is, again, what's most important to you? No matter what you're doing, what do you want people to see type of thing? Um, and when you know those about yourself, then that gives you room to um, to debrief with purpose.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. And, and I think... You know, sometimes we get so caught up because we're in it, whether you're, again, it doesn't matter the industry, you can be coaching or whatever, you know, the intricacies of, of what you're doing. And it's great to hold yourself to a high standard, but I think we're so quick to jump on ourselves for the negatives. And we're so quick to almost get into, like you were just saying, that negative feedback loop, where it's confirmation bias, you're looking for things, so you're going to find them. Um, and then we start to question who we are. We start to waver and, you know, negative things can come out of that. Versus if we look at this and we say, you know, okay, for every negative, I'm going to name a positive as well. Or, you know, if you're you're not into that whole balancing, then maybe you do two negatives and one positive. But regardless, I think it's important to identify the positives of what you're doing and what's going well. And then how can you build upon that? How can you take that to the next level? And then what things do you need to fix? Um, But I think if you don't, if you don't honestly give yourself a little bit of grace of like, hey, okay, in the first six months, this was the first six months of me in deploying this new skill yeah it sucked at times but it doesn't mean i throw the skill out right you have to give yourself a little bit of grace it's like okay i'm learning here's where i messed this up here's how i can build upon it but again it's like you said you can't go into it and try and judge the whole pie every time Like you have to go in and let's let's check you know if you we're talking about pies let's talk talk about the texture first how's the crust okay the crust is there what's going on with this what's going on and then you can start to build from it um, from that standpoint but i think you know, if you try and take it all on at once, it's just, it's daunting. And you get caught in these negative things and you're like, I suck. And then all of a sudden you're in this imposter syndrome feeling where you're like, I don't belong. Should I even be doing this? Um, and and I go through it as well. You know, there's there's times where people raise an eyebrow at me. They're like, you're 28 years old and you're talking about leadership. What have you done? I'm like, uh, I, well, you know, I get, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, am I qualified to do this? And then I sit back and you have to break it down. It's like, Well, here's the reasons why, here's the reasons about this. Here's the education that I've had, whatever it may be to back it. And you start to break out of that, that imposter syndrome feeling. Um, But it is there. If you try and judge the whole as a whole, nobody's capable of doing that. You know, nobody is. And and so I would challenge everybody, be positive about your positives and start listing some of your strengths out as well and see how quickly um, you feel a little bit better about your negatives, because now you can, you can find ways to leverage your strengths into working on your negatives. Um, and so I think that's, that's a big piece of it as well. So coach, I, I want to shift gears here and we'll talk about leadership and culture, because I think this interaction is and this, this uh, relationship between the two is so huge. So I'll have you just jump it off. I'm just going to give you a softball question and then we'll kind of go from there. Just give me your thoughts on the relationship between leaders and culture. What, what, what comes to mind? You know, you can have, take a couple of minutes and, and just spew it and let me know your thoughts on that. And then we'll kind of, we'll build from that.
1: I think uh, the first step here is to define those two, um, because I think that some people use them interchangeably, like oh, like your culture, your leadership, blah blah blah. Like they, you know, they'll in casual conversation they get used interchangeably, and they're two very different things, um, although very closely related. They are very very different, and so as as we kind of talked about earlier, leadership is about influence, and. And just because, I think that there's a lot of people who are very influential. Because if you have people following you, um, you're influencing them, and and so we all have that in different aspects of our life. Now, culture is more uh, is is leadership on a cumulative platform. So leadership leads to, or the leadership of a group is going to lead to the culture of that group, and and your culture is. I, I define culture as like the sights and the sounds um, and the emotions of the char- uh, uh, that characterize the environment um, when you walk into a certain place. Um, and, and it's not characterized by the location, it's characterized by the group of people, and it's characterized by their habits. And just to reiterate, we talked about habits, you know, being the routines of the people within that environment and the things that they do regularly over and over and over again so so with your culture being that you know the leadership on exponential standpoint um, you know leadership on steroids you know what you see in your culture is a direct result is a direct result of the leadership so if you're seeing a bad culture you need to look at the leadership Now that leadership can be using our teams as an example. You can look at your captains, but who is leading your captains? Who is, you know, and then, so that's your assistant coaches. And then who's leading your assistant coaches, your head coach, whatever you're seeing at that, at that level of of what you would consider to be your team's culture. It's time to look in the mirror and ask why you're, you know, what are you doing that's influencing that because you are the influencer and in it's probably unintentional, but whatever you're doing is, is influencing that type of behavior down the chain. So after, now that we've kind of distinguished the two, the two, I think the next step is, um, is, is learning how to, you know, how do we teach that? A, like we've talked about before, it it starts with an increase in self-awareness for yourself, but then you also need to lead your other leaders, you know, lead down the chain to learn how to increase their own self-awareness. And I think that that looks differently um, when you're working with maybe your staff members versus um, versus your athletes, because with your athletes, I mean, you can say, sit here, we're going to talk about this and you can teach them like classroom style. You know, you can present topics and definitions and and now you could do that with your staff as well. I don't think a lot of people are, are wanting to do that. Um, I think it would be very helpful. But if you don't want to do that, a lot of that will come down to um, you know, what are your habits? Again, how are you leading by example? Um, talking about vulnerability. If you're if you're more vulnerable, your those you are leading will also be more vulnerable. They'll be more genuine and authentic in your relationship with them, but also they see the success of that relationship and then they want to create that relationship with those that they lead. So it works down the chain, um, in that manner when it comes to teaching your athletes about it, I think it comes down to four steps. Like a, you have to define it. Um, and, and you kind of have to spoon feed the information, right? Because our athletes, you know, it's not like you're going to sit down with your athlete for an hour and you know with them as a group and say okay class here we go you know you don't have time to do that but um i think one of the problems in in athletics is this idea of like buzzwords you know like <laughs> buzzwords meaning culture commitment intensity you know people you know i'm motivated i'm inspired you know your athletes say they're committed you know do you, are you committed to this yes i'm committed okay what does committed mean and they look at you like uh you know, they can't define it. They don't actually know. So the first step is that you have to define whatever, whatever those buzzwords are. And from there, after you've defined it, you have to talk about why it's important. You know, why should they care about what this means? Why should they care about, um, about you know why we're investing our time in this thing? Um, with my teams at the end of their lift, I'll have a 10-minute think right Tuesday where I bring up a concept we talk about you know the definition of it, we talk about why it's important and why they should invest their time and why they should make sacrifices for this. Like that's why we're talking about it because it's important, and these are the reasons why. Um, help them give them a self-check tool. You are doing this if this, you are not doing this if if you see this, or you know, some sort of strategy or tool, and then. At the end, you're connecting the dots, right? Now you're summarizing and saying, okay, remember, we're doing all these things from a self-awareness um, standpoint because you care about your teammates, because we're working towards a team goal. Now, for those of you who are not in the team environment or with coaches, like that, like I said, that's an easy way. That's an easy four steps to implement with any group of people that you're leading.
0: Awesome. And you hit on so many things in there that that align perfectly with what I believe. So we'll start unpacking this from the beginning. Um, You talked about, you know, cultures within the organization, right? So you have, and we'll use the team example, we'll stick with that. So you have within your team, you have your coaching staff, your support staff, your student athletes, et cetera, right? So there's different cultures within that. I think in my opinion, and you can correct me if you have a different one here, but I think the closer that all those cultures are, in, in um, you know, the way they operate, I think the more efficient and the more effective your whole organization is. So if you have a culture of, and we use accountability, since it is one of those, everyone loves that buzzword. If there's a culture of accountability within the support staff, and I'm talking athletic trainers, strength and conditioning um, you know, academic advising, all those, those outside kind of fringe pieces um, that work within the organization. If there's a culture of accountability in there, and there's no culture of a culture of accountability within the coaching staff itself the actual sport coaching staff then there's a disconnect there and that disconnect is seen because now the student athletes are experiencing two different things right so it would be the same thing as if we're in an organization and we're selling you know we use the office we're selling paper we're dunder mifflin and i'm selling paper and there's a culture of accountability within my regional sales team but not within my national sales team well then who do you listen to? Because then it becomes, well, Mom told me I could do it, and Dad lets me do it. You know what I mean? And now you have this situation where the kid's jumping on the bed, and he's saying, "Well, Daddy told me I could," and you're like, "Okay, this this is a fracture within that." And so I think as a leader, you have to do a great job of managing. Those cultures are going to exist within their own. There's always going to be, you know, smaller ecosystems within your your large scale organization. That's part of it. There's going to be a your freshman class is going to have their own culture. Your sophomore class is going to have their own culture. Your, your junior class, so on up you have to manage those things so that they align within the group culture. You have to, because if you start to see fractures within those, it's just going to lead. It's like poking holes in a boat, right? One, every little one pokes another hole. And then sooner or later, the whole thing pops and now you got a big problem. So I think as a leader, you have to do a great job to acknowledge that and understand that there's going to be individual, you know, I don't want to say clicks because you don't want to create clicks, but there's going to be individual ecosystems within that where there's interactions, um, And you have to manage all of those. So if you're the top level leader, and we use the team example, if you're the head coach, there has to be continuity in the way that your student athletes are dealt with from a support staff side, from a coaching staff side, from a within team, you know, accountability side, all those things have to be on the same page. If you want true accountability, because in my opinion, and this leads to the second point that you talked about, you have the leadership, which sets your culture. I truly believe that your leadership sets your culture. Your culture defines your habits. Because okay? that, that your culture defines what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, your behaviors within. That defines your habits. Your habits are gonna define your results at the end of the day. So if you're a, a head coach and you're at the top of that chain, you're the leadership and you're not managing the habits that are going on within each individual culture, you're gonna miss out on results that you could have. You know? And, and I, I think sometimes that that gets missed And coaches kind of are so focused on what I need to get done and what we need to get done on the field or on the court or in the pool. And they miss on some of those other pieces. And then they wonder why, you know, X, Y, Z result doesn't show up. Now, am I saying you're not going to win because of these things? Not necessarily, but could you win more because of it? Yes. If it's all on the same page, yes, 100%. And if you look at those great cultures, you know, in, in books like Good to Great or The Culture Code or any of those things, it's, it's uh, extremely consistent across departments and across the organization in the way things are handled. And I think that that's a huge, huge piece of it. So I'd be interested to hear kind of on your side, like what are some things that we should be doing as leaders to manage those individual cultures, right? Because even for you as a strength coach, you have your internship department. Those interns have their own culture within themselves. There's always a pecking order. There's a hierarchy. There's a leader within them. And it's great to see that how do you manage that to make sure that everybody is following the same vision?
1: Okay. So first and foremost, it comes down to really great communication, communicating those standards um, and expectations upfront. And we've talked about that before. Um, here's how I expect you to operate. Here's your, here's your job, get it done. Um, within your tasks of, or however you go about getting it done, um, these are the values of us as a group. And when you express what we value as a group that empowers those smaller, um, what was the word you use kind of ecosystem? ecosystem yeah. And those, it, it empowers them to make decisions because they can use, make those decisions based off of those values that make decisions that align with the values of the overall goal and department and who we want to be and who we want to represent ourselves to be. It's our brand. Here is, here is our brand, no matter what, you know, in this strength and conditioning department, we are going to work tempo technique and teamwork, no matter what. Now make your decisions based off of those things. Now is it absolutely 100% foolproof? No, but it is definitely more consistent than just like, hey, you know, don't make any bad decisions, good luck. And it's better than than micromanaging um, because especially I think um, when we have a lot of responsibilities as as you will, if you were the head of a department or a organization, you'll get distracted by managing so much that you forget to lead. And because those are two different things. And, um, if you allow those distractions to, to overtake and take away from your leadership, it takes away from the trust that your subordinates or, you know, I don't know if that's a great word to use, but, um, that your, your employees and your, or your athletes or your assistants or whoever it is takes away from the trusting relationship that you've built with them. Um, and at the end of the day, all, everything comes back to trust. I have to, it's about consistency. You know, I have to trust that this is what i'm going to get from this person every single day. i have to trust they said that they care about me, so i have to trust that the decisions that they make are aligned with, with what's going to be best for me. um and and when it comes to, you know, there's so much that goes into just building trusting relationships, but you know, keeping your commitments, you know, over under promise and over deliver. you know, th- that's a, an easy way to stay consistent. Claire, like I said earlier, clarifying expectations, having integrity, don't gossip, don't, um, <laughs> or apologize, apologize when you do something wrong or with, when you mess up or something didn't work out the way you you expected it to. Um, all of those are are little things that you can do to fuel that trusting relationship, and then that will work its way kind of up the, or down the chain, I should say.
0: Coach, you, I'm so glad that you you hit that. I was so excited over here listening to that because you hit exactly what I wanted to bring out and that was the values piece that your values should manage every single ecosystem within and every, every single single culture within your culture, within your, your large scale organization. Your values need to be reflected in everything that you do and in all of your habits, no matter who's doing them. So if you're one of your habits and one of your values, Is um you know attention to detail, and you're the head basketball coach or head football coach or whatever, and the the athletic trainer forgets or doesn't have any tape with them or tapes incorrectly, that needs to be addressed because that is your value. Your value is attention to detail. Those types of things cannot be overlooked just because it's it's you know kind of outside your immediate culture. It all has to be addressed, and so I think when you hit on that that piece, if if you guys are listening to this, go back and listen to that again, because that is one of the most influential things you will hear as a leader. Your values need to be reflected throughout your entire organization, from the janitor to the CEO, from the head coach to the student manager. Everybody needs to exemplify your values. Otherwise, they are not your values. So stop using the buzzwords. And I'm, I'm getting on a tangent here. I'm getting fired up. Stop using the buzzwords of tough, committed, attention, to detail, whatever your, your hashtags are. Stop using them if you're not living them. And if everybody in your organization is not living them, then they're just, they're just words on a wall. They're words on a t-shirt. They mean nothing. Um, and, and so that to me, what, what you said there with the value piece, those are your stated culture. That's what you say you're about. Your experience culture is what goes on on a day-to-day. What does it actually look like? What does your culture look like in real life? Because if you say that you're about these things and it's not going on, there's a disconnect and you will never be elite as long as that disconnect disconnect exists. So you need to find a way to bridge that gap. And that way is exactly what you just said. Communication, clear expectations, feedback, trust. Okay, all these things that people want to avoid and they just want to throw a slogan on the wall and say, we are this. No, you're not. Until you daily lay a brick, you are not that thing. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm done. Coach, (laughs) the other big one that you hit on there that I loved and this, is another, this will be an all-time quote from this podcast. Don't get so distracted managing when you need to be leading. That is huge. And I think that that happens so many times when people have so much on their plate where their only answer is to take control over things that they can take control of, which is micromanagement versus leading the big picture. Empower your people to make the right decisions and then trust them to do so. Um, And that piece right there is exactly what you said. Don't get distracted managing when you should be leading. And I think that, you know, in order to do that, you have to do what you said, which is build trust, build relationships, build the values to a point where you know that these people believe in your values. These people are free to make their own decisions within it because your values will be exemplified through their actions and you don't have to worry about it then. Right. And, And so I think, you know, coach, we, we could have just recorded that little five minute segment and I would have been completely thrilled with the way this whole project turned out um, because that was awesome. So thank you so much for bringing that piece out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what you said with with clear expectations and laying out the culture and then exemplifying. And I'm going to throw kind of an analogy out to you and, and you let me know what you think about it here. When we when we write out these expectations and when we define who we are and what we're about and what we expect, right? To me, that's getting it in the head. At the end of the day, if you want culture to be believed and be, be you know, uh, executed, it's taking it to the heart. So it's taking it from the head to the heart. That's what I, what I truly think of when I think of culture. And so give me a little bit of insight of you know, how, what does that process look like? Getting it from that, that clearly defined expectations and goals and, and values, to the execution of, you know, what, what's kind of in the middle there, because it's easy to say it on paper, but how do we make that a real thing?
1: I think the first step in that process is communicating it in a way that your audience hears you and you're, for instance, our athletes are going to hear like you could give them the same same cue, but one kid's going to take it different than the next kid and then the next kid. And some kid, you know, the first one might really, you know, benefit from it where the third kid still doesn't get it. It didn't, it didn't hit home with them. So understanding, understanding, you know, those who are, who you're trying to communicate this with what, what drives them. Um, there's, there's plenty of research that goes out, um, about like the different types of motivators and, and ways people are driven. Um, so it's your job to kind of figure out those people, you know, what actually do they, do they really value? Um, and I think it, it take, that takes a lot of work because most of your, I mean, if you were to like have your athletes fill out a questionnaire at the beginning and you were to ask them, what drives you? They'd be like, um not having to run, you know, they'd say things like that. So, (laughs) so, um, a, I think it's important to know, um, that, or it's important to communicate it in a a thousand different ways so that everybody can actually take in that knowledge and have it in their head. Now, when it comes to it, I think that builds the bridge to getting it to the heart. Um, (sighs) There, if it if it actually means something to them, if you know what drives them, if you know what's important to them, then you're able to connect the dots between um, here's the knowledge, and then here's why it should really mean something to you. Here's why you should sacrifice um, so that this so that this can happen, or here's why you should sacrifice and, and live this value daily, make decisions daily that align with this because it's going to help you with your specific goal. It's going to help you with means the most with what means the most to you. Um, And, and just the way it it all, it really just comes down to how you're going to communicate that information. Now, after it's been communicated and after you've built those relationships and and kind of hopefully you've gotten it to the heart, that's where accountability comes in because um, everybody makes mistakes. So even if they truly do you know, especially if you're like, who, who are you working with? For me, I'm working with college kids. They, they're, gonna, they're always making mistakes. Like, of course, they're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. So it's, but those mistakes have to be, have to be addressed. And like you said, like you have to hold each other accountable, but what does accountability mean? That's another buzzword in, in itself. Um, just because you're holding somebody accountable doesn't mean that you're punishing them. It doesn't mean that you are in their face, making them feel bad, being demeaning. You know, there's a difference between de- being demanding and being demeaning. And part of being really demanding is high, holding people to a high standard. And when, when they mess up, it's addressed. So you go and you talk to them. You have a conversation. And, and, you know, when God says you you address these problems at first one-on-one and you you don't have to, you know, you have to, you don't have to. in front of the whole group of people and be like hey you know this person made a mistake blah 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 blah. first address it with them one-on-one hey hey, look why did you do this why did you make this decision here's how it negatively affected us um etc etc then maybe you say hey i'd really like to bring this up to the rest of the group because i think everybody would benefit from this lesson that you learned from failing And, and you and you allow them you let them know that that their failure is positively affecting the group. It is it is a positive thing for the rest of the group so that nobody else has to make those mistakes. And if you're really invested, if that person is really invested in the group, you know, it's like their secret sauce. Like this is my secret sauce. And if I want us to be really, really great, I'm gonna share my secret sauce with my teammates because then we're all working on the secret sauce. So so in that now, now that within itself, you're teaching leadership right then and there. Hey, let these people see your failure so that they don't make those same mistakes. And, and I will give a shout out to my family here because I'm the youngest of five kids and there's, I'm, I've still made a ton of mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but I experienced a lot of failure because my, my parents and my brothers and sisters went through it first. And I saw them experience it firsthand and not that they sat me down and they said, look here, Becca, this is the, here's the lesson to be learned. Not that they did that, but I just, I was with them daily. And I walked through that process with them. And the more I mature in my leadership, I, I start to reflect on some of those experiences I had with them. And I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. You know, this is, this is how we can learn from that. So summarizing. Sorry about that. <laughs> Communicate in a way that they will hear you and understand you and then be hold accountable. And it has to be daily and it has to be, everybody has to be held to the same standards. You can't have, you can't have special standards for said person because they're producing, you know, more money or they're, you know, making really great plays. Um, every, everybody has to be held to the same standard and it has to be held consistently. There cannot be, there cannot be exceptions here, there, in the other place, because otherwise it's like, you know, that they're kind of, you know, the athletes walk in like, Oh, I wonder if she'll catch, or I
0: wonder if she'll hold me
1: accountable this time. And then where's the trust they have to be able to trust that you're going to hold them accountable every time.
0: hundred percent. I, and at the end of the day, the, the main takeaways that I, that I hope everybody hears from this is that culture like leadership, is a daily decision. And it is something that has to be watered and it has to be continuously tuned up and continue to be worked on from different angles. It is never a finished product. Culture is never finished product. Leadership is never a finished product, but your culture will be a reflection of your leadership. At the end of the day, your leadership and your values of your organization will be reflected in your culture. So for those of you guys that are taking over a new organization or looking to change an organization, make sure your values are what you want reflected and then work on it daily because whether it's good or bad, it's going to come out in the wash and it's going to be seen. Um, So figure out, you know, who you are, what you're about, what your organization is going to be about, and then work on that daily. Um, So coach, we'll finish up here. I I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're a busy lady and you're enjoying, enjoying the the limited time off that strength coaches have. Um, So we'll hit you with some wild cards here, quick hitters. I just want first thing that pops to your mind. So. First one here. What does the word legacy mean to you and what do you want your legacy to be?
1: My definition of legacy really comes from what i learned it to mean at the Citadel and your legacy. I see it as my last name. I, I see, you know, the name that's on the back of your Jersey, like that's who, that's who you represent. Um, and so, what do i want my legacy to be i want i want my life and my legacy to be a reflection of god you know of course of course i want my last name you know that first thought process you know i want to represent you know my parents and my brothers and sisters and and that's like of course i want to represent them well i want people to see me and be like man her parents raised her right i want people to see that um and and then when i took on my husband's name you know i want i want people to the way I live my life. I want people to be like, man, like, like he must, they must be, you know, work together. Great. And like, just be a great reflection on him and on his family, because now that's a new responsibility for me. You know, I want to represent his, his parents and his brother. Like, I want to represent them really, really well. But at the end of the day, I want, I want the way I live my life to be a reflection of my faith in God. And I want to see everybody in heaven someday. So I want, I want my life and my legacy to point people towards God's words so I can see everybody in heaven someday.
0: Love it, love it. Next one, what's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received?
1: This was, this is a hard one, um, obviously, <laughs> um, with all the stuff that's out there about leadership and that we've talked about even in just these three episodes. Um, but when I really, really sat down and thought about it, it brought me back to, not something that somebody said to me, but it was written on a note. When I was a sophomore in high school, um, I did not make the varsity basketball team and I was extremely upset about it because my freshman year I had made JV and I, I, was, I did really, really well on that JV team. And I fully expected to make bar- varsity my, my sophomore year. And all of my teammates, made varsity that next year, except for me, they kept me on the JV team. And so I had to get used to playing with a whole new group of people. And I was upset about it. I was so mad. And I went into that head coach and I said, coach, I was really expecting to make varsity this year. You know, why, why didn't, what do I need to work on to be ready to play on that varsity team to, to make that varsity. And he said, okay, he's like, let me think about it. and I'll I'll write down some things and, and get it to you. I said, okay. It was like, that was at the beginning of the day. That was before school. After like my third class of the day, he calls my name over the intercom and I go into his classroom and he hands me like this little like scrap piece of paper. Like, it's not even like it was like this big extravagant. It was just a little scrap piece of paper with like three little handwritten notes on it. And he didn't expand on it. He just gave it. He said, here, take this and, and, you know, work on these things. So I said, okay, thank you. Took it and left. Didn't look at it till later that day. But on that piece of paper, he wrote that I was selfish. And I could not believe it. I'm like the nerve that he has to call me selfish. I'm the only one that's in there. I'm shooting free throws extra. I'm practicing like crazy. I'm always in shape. I'm the only one in the weight room. Like, how dare he? Like, I don't understand. My, I'm not even that good at ball handling. So it's not like I can be a ball hog. Like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I don't I am like i do not i do not understand this. And at the end of the day, it took me a long time to go in and ask him to expand on it because I was so mad. And at the end of the day, this is what he meant. He said, don't be selfish. Bring people with you. If you are doing all the right things, but you aren't bringing anybody with you, it's selfish. And that's hard. That is, I still, I still get goosebumps thinking about it because I just remember that, that feeling, that kind of light bulb going off. Um, but I, it still stands true to this day. If I get mad about, if I get mad about people around me, not doing the right thing. And I'm like, well, I'm doing my job. You know, I'm not, if I'm not bringing anybody with me, that's selfish. And I don't want to be selfish. You know, I'm supposed to be servant leader here. Okay. I can't be doing that. So so best piece of leadership advice came from my high school basketball coach. Don't be selfish. Bring people with you.
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome story. It's an awesome story. It's crazy how things that happen in your youth um, kind of shape who you are. I had, I had a similar one that I talked about on a previous podcast where I was a, a three-year starter on a, on a very good high school team and um, you know, was was expecting to be a captain. We had the vote, and I got called to the coach's office, and I thought I was going to be a captain. I thought he was going to tell me that I was a captain. I walked in and he said, uh, did you vote for yourself? I said, no. And he said, well, you're not a captain. Do you want to change your vote? And I said, no. And, and you know, whatever. we had a conversation with Stem from that. But it's crazy how th- those types of experiences at, at, you know, between the age of 15 to, to 18 can mold so much later in life and can come back. And, and you look back on it now and you look at it and you learn the lesson. And you're like, no, there it is again. Okay. I need to, it's just the world reaffirming like, Hey, you forgot about this for a second. Remember, remember this. So that that's awesome coach. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, last one here, if you weren't doing what you're doing, so if you weren't a strength coach, um, where would you be? What would you be doing?
1: I'm sure I would be teaching or coaching in some way, shape or form, uh, because that's what I enjoy doing. And it's like, no matter what I do, like, even when I was working at Subway, you know, I was, I was always like trying to teach people how to do things better. <laughs> probably not always, you know, like people didn't always probably enjoy that, but I would probably be teaching or coaching somewhere, but definitely closer to family. Oh, like yeah. I would definitely be somewhere where I could help coach or, or teach my, my own nieces and nephews.
0: I love it. Well, coach, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, again, you know, telling the, the listeners, please go back, listen to one and two. Um, listen to part three, take notes, take this stuff in because this is a, a phenomenal resource. And the fact that we have this much content, um, for free is, is not out there a lot of places to be able to hear, you know, some of the topics that we talked about and went in depth with, uh, this could have been a 10 point, 10 part series easily. Um, we could have kept going. So coach, I can't thank you enough. Um, we're, we're going to work on some things in the future here with coach gold. We're going to hopefully get some, some guest blogs from her. Um, we're going to work on putting together a leadership library. So there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out um, with Coach Gold, working with Edge Leadership Academy. We, we're hugely, hugely grateful for her to be a part of this. Um, Coach, if you want to plug your own social media, if you want to plug anything that you have going on, you don't have to. Whatever, whatever you feel comfortable sharing or whatever you want to throw out there for people, if they want to get in touch, ask you questions about this stuff, um, I'll give you the mic here and then we'll close this thing out.
1: Sure. Okay. So I'm not, I don't put a ton of stuff on social media, but I do follow a lot of very educational people on social media. That's probably, that's pretty much what I use it for. Um, so if you follow me, look at who I'm following and start following those people. Um, so my Twitter is at S I T T I G nine seven. And then, uh, my Instagram is coach underscore, uh, be gold. Um, so I would say, I would say not that I'm putting a ton of stuff out there, but follow who I'm following because there's good stuff.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um,
1: and then, and then feel free to email me. Um, if you go on to the North Texas strength conditioning website, you can find my email right there.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, coach, this has been awesome. It's been phenomenal. Um, you know, can't thank you enough. I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. Looking forward to continuing this. Relationship here, and keep building stuff, and keep trying to put out more resources for people to continue to grow. Um, you know, again, at the end of the day, this this whole project, the Built Not Born podcast, and Edge Leadership Academy, is completely fundamentally rooted in adding value to other people, and adding value to organizations, and giving people access to. You know, knowledge that I wish I had and and resources that I wish I had when I was growing in my leadership skills. And, and you are definitely one of those resources. So coach, looking forward to talking again, and thank you for being on.
1: Thank you, coach. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: That was part three with coach Rebecca Gold from the University of North Texas. Uh, once again, coach Gold over delivered, you know, bringing up some great points about not getting distracted, managing when you should be leading. Um, learning to understand the the relationship between culture and leadership within your environment, and how there's mo- there's multiple cultures within each organization, but they should all reflect your values. Um, again, you know, Coach has just been an awesome resource for us for these past three episodes, so we appreciate her a ton. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, please feel free reach out if you guys have questions. We plugged her social media. We'll also make sure that that stuff is in the show notes. And as always, please like, share, leave a review. Um, subscribe to the podcast so that we can continue this mission of bringing you guys high-quality conversations with high-quality people. Um, and as always, leaders are built, not born.